thank you for joining me for this episode of God Talk, and it is part three of my three-part series on Christian cults. And just a reminder, a Christian cult is a group that has some Christian elements in it. They they believe in Jesus Christ and, and, and mention him, and it's based on him, but uh, there's a bunch of other teachings that are associated with it that are really contrary to the traditional Christian faith. Uh, we took a look at Mormonism. We took a look at Jehovah Witness. And uh, I actually had a couple people request me to uh, take on talking about Bethel uh, in, the, in the Bethel Church movement. And, uh, and I decided to go ahead and do that because I know there's a lot of controversy on that. And I've never really delved into it too much because on one hand, I, I tend to beat up uh, all the garbage that's made its way into the church. And I can be somewhat negative on the church and critical on the church. But on the other hand, I think sometimes we're, we are too nitpicking. And, um, and, and I guess I felt like, uh, maybe the Bethel's been on the receiving end of that, especially in light of some of the really uh, good worship music, uh, they've put out over the years. Uh, but I, I decided to take it on because I know there are some issues with their theology, um, and uh, so I want to talk a little bit about them. Uh, I want to talk about Oneness Pentecostals, which um, T.D. Jakes uh, came to faith through that. Well, I say came to faith. Uh, it would be kind of considered a, a, a heretical sect, a Christian cult, um, not not a orthodox a Christian group. Uh, he has, at different times, um, tried to distance himself from it, but many people suggest that he still is um, pretty uh, closely tied to a lot of that theology. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then um, I'll just close off the podcast, talk about just liberal Christianity as a whole, which I really think we could move into the Christian cult category uh, at this point anyways. So um, let's, uh, let's start with uh, the Bethel Church. And I think a lot of this information I'm going to share with you, I believe I got from uh, the Gospel Coalition. Um, they're a pretty uh, solid uh, conservative evangelical uh, a group that um, tries to uh, keep a, a, a um, solid perspective on a lot of uh, modern stuff. So let's start with talking a little bit about Bethel Church and some of the issues that are associated with them. So Bethel Church is a charismatic megachurch. Uh, so when you look at a lot of some of the uh, issues with uh, false Christianity, a lot of them have their uh, their roots in the charismatic movement, and that's because the charismatic movement is dangerous by nature in that uh, it's really open to direct revelation from God. And the problem with direct revelation from God is that God told me this, and God told me that. So if you end up having a... Uh, a, a bad burrito uh, for uh, for dinner. Uh, you may uh, have some uh, interesting dreams or some uh, feelings, and you ascribe to those feelings that God is telling you something, when in fact He is not telling you something. Your uh, burrito is telling you something, and uh, it just really kind of opens a door for uh, false theology versus the Bible being the sole source of theology. You see, they'll complain about the Pope and Catholicism and that the, in Catholicism, the Pope and the early church fathers have the ability to add to scripture. Uh, and they don't like that at all. 
but they don't have a problem with, hey, God told me this and God told me that. And it might very well go against what Scripture says. Uh, and it, it those are additions to Scripture, and they don't seem to have a problem with that. So Bethel Church comes out of this charismatic megachurch movement from uh, Redding, California. And what they're really known for mostly is Bethel music. Um, they've had a lot of uh, uh, very popular songs that have come out of uh, the Bethel Church movement. The church itself uh, withdrew from the Assemblies of God uh, in 2005, uh, which is a Pentecostal denomination. They became non-denominational, non-denominational and uh, they have approximately 9,000 members. Listen, that's not a really big church, 9,000 members. And the amount of influence that they have in the music industry, Christian music industry, for being a, a church of 9,000 members uh, is way out of proportion from uh, really th their size. Uh, so that's the, the, the church portion of, uh, of Bethel, Bethel Church. Then there's Bethel Music. It's a ministry of the church. Um, and it includes a record, record label, uh, music publishing, um, and, uh, you know, just uh, a, a lot of real popular music that has come out of it. And the music's most popular in really uh, Australia, uh, as well as the United States. Uh, the president and co-founder of Bethel Music is Brian Johnson. Um, he's the son of the co-founders of Bethel Church, which is Bill and Benny Johnson. So husband and wife um, are the founders of Bethel Church. The son is the president and co-founder of Bethel Music. Um, some of their most famous musicians to come out of Bethel Music is Jeremy Riddle. Uh, also a song written by Riddle, Phil Wickham, uh, and uh, Josh Farrow uh, titled This is Amazing Grace was actually listed as number one on Billboard's Christian uh, Airplay song chart uh, for 2014. Um, and, and there's just a lot of really um, good worship music. And I say good, popular worship music. And some of it really is good. And here's really my problem is because some of the theology of Bethel Church is bad, um, people want to dismiss the songs. Well, if the songs don't have bad theology, then why don't you use them? It's kind of like saying a, a priest that's imperfect, uh, you know, or a pastor that's imperfect when they do communion, it's somehow invalid. No. And people who've written hymns in the past or fa uh, famous songs, um, maybe they've had maybe not great theology, maybe they've not had great um, uh, morality or different things like that. Does that invalidate the music? Does that invalidate the, the sacrament, you know, the baptisms that are being done or the, the Lord's Supper because of the person? No, uh, if that stuff's based upon the person, that's not a, a good thing at all. Uh, that's, not, um, that's not biblically accurate. Uh, mankind is sinful and fallen people. So in general, I'm of the mindset that if the uh, music is good, you use it. And if the music has bad theology, you don't use it. With that being said, uh, I used to have this guy that I used to uh, read a lot of his devotions, but he's uh, a Quaker 
that has uh, some really crazy theology. And when I read some of his theology, I stopped reading his devotions because um, sometimes it's hard to separate um, some of the, the the false theology that can sneak in there if you're not you know aware of. Uh, just where that person might be coming from. So uh, it's not to be totally dismissed that Bethel Church and some of the pastors have horrible theology. And if they've got horrible theology, you might want to be a little suspect, at least, of their music and, and look at it with a little bit of a critical eye. Um, the Johnsons, that is the, the founding uh, pastors of Bethel Church, um, they, uh, Bill and Benny Johnson, uh, they've, they're criticized frequently uh, for some of their teachings as being even heretical. And one of the things that they have that's interesting and heretical is this teaching that they have that uh, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Now, on the surface, Jesus Christ is perfect, and so what would be wrong with that theology? Well, they believe that because Jesus Christ is perfect, um, that God's will is always to heal someone. There you get into some of that Pentecostal crap that just, you know, someone's got glasses because their faith isn't strong enough. Someone died of cancer because their faith isn't strong enough. Like somehow like God expected us to all live 120 years. And if you don't, your faith isn't strong enough. And that's just not biblical. Um, and so uh, their view is how can God choose not to heal someone when he's already purchased their, their healing? Uh, was his blood not enough for all sin or just certain sins? Was his stripes that he bore only uh, for certain illnesses or for a certain season of time? When he bore stripes in his body, he made a payment uh, uh, for our miracle. Um, he already decided to heal. Uh, he can't decide not to buy something that he's already bought and you've already bought. So this concept that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross um, and, and what he's accomplished, that means that he's defeated sin. And because illness is a result of sin, he's also defeated that. Well, that, that is just a screwed up theology because Jesus died for uh, to pay the price for mankind's sin. Uh, that is so that we can have eternal life in heaven, but that doesn't make us not a sinner. Uh, we still sin. And so in the same way that he paid the price for our sin, but yet we still, as Scripture tells us, that we can't say we have no sin uh, because we're still going to have sin. Well, even as we still are going to have sin, we're going to still have illness. Uh, that that We will never realize a life without sin and a life without illness until heaven. That's what we experience in heaven. It's not what we experience on this earth. So it's bad theology. It's false theology. Um, Benny Johnson, that is uh, Bill's wife, co-founder, um, she has uh, some unorthodox views on angels. Uh, she thinks there's different kinds of angels, like messenger angels, healing angels, fiery angels. Um, there are different kinds of angels, but she's added to the angels that are listed out in the Bible. Um, and she basically says... Uh, in a blog post, 
Uh, I think that these angels have been bored for a long time and are ready to be put to, to work. And she relates a story about one of our students at the Bethel Supernatural, Supernatural School of Ministry who claimed God told her to go to the chapel and yell, Wakey, wakey. Um, and nothing happened. So the student was certain God said, Wakey, wakey to her to to go to the chapel and say wakey wakey so she went to the chapel and yelled out wakey wakey nothing happened for about five minutes so the student well you know i guess i misunderstood god but i know he spoke to me she turned around to cross the road to go over uh to a shop and as she turned around she felt the ground beginning to shake and she heard this huge yawn and when she looked back at the chapel, there was this huge angel that stepped out of the chapel. But all she could see is his feet because it was so large. So, I mean, she looked up and apparently the feet went up to like the clouds or something. Because all she could see was the feet. And, she, uh, and he turned to her and said, uh, after she asked who he was, and she was talking to his big toe, apparently. Um, I am the angel from the 1904 revival, and you just woke me up. And she asked him, well, why have you been asleep? And the angel answered and said, because no one has been calling out for revival anymore. So I guess it's our job to wakey-wakey the angels. And as she's speaking to the angel's foot, um, the, the angel from 19, the 1904 revival uh, woke up. Um, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Uh, some of the members of Bethel, including the senior pastor, Benny Johnson, um, have, uh, been engaged in a practice called grave sucking. That's a little disturbing or maybe grave soaking. That's when you lie in a person's grave to soak up the dead person's anointing. <laughs> Who comes up with this crap? This is a cult. Um, now, what's interesting is in an interview, her husband, Bill, uh, said that neither he nor Bethel encourages the practice of grave sucking. They're, they're not into uh, sucking at the graves. Um, but the uh, book that uh, he's written called The Physics of Heaven, here is wife, um, they say uh, there are anointings, mantles, revelations, and mysteries that have lain unclaimed. Literally where they were left because the generation that walked in them never passed them on. I believe it's possible, they say, for us to recover realms of anointing, realms of insight, realms of God that have been untended for decades simply by choosing to reclaim them and perpetuate them for future generations. So you have these like anointings, the special power that have gone unclaimed because they went to the grave with people. So that kind of sounds like grave sucking to me. Uh, Bethel Church claims uh, frequently to uh, encounter unexplained phenomena during their uh, services um, in everyday lives, such as uh, falling gold dust uh, from heaven, um, falling angel feathers. Um, they also claim to see a glory cloud that is uh, appearance of dust and smoke 
in their services that they say is a supernatural sign of God's presence, similar to the pillar of cloud that traveled with Moses uh, and the Israelites. Um, Bethel churches frequently promote and they'll teach from their own translation of the Bible. It's called the Passion Translation, um, which basically comes from a sole translator. And once again, you do not have one person translate the Bible. I warned about this with Jehovah Witness, that they have their own translation. And uh, you, what you do is you, you, you mess up the translation of the Bible when you limit it to a small group of people. Uh, so that's with a small group of people. When one person is translating a Bible, um, that is never, ever, 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 did I say ever? It's never done, nor should it ever be done, because you are just leaving it to one man's opinion on what the text says. Um, and uh, it's this translation, which they oftentimes use, which Johnson says is one of the greatest things to happen to Bible translation in his lifetime. Well, it's charged by scholars as uh, um, that the textual accuracy is not good in it, in it at all, um, that they play fast and loose with the original languages. And they, in fact, they insert so much new material that that translation is actually 50% longer than the original Bible. I mean, that's how much they add to Scripture. And if you're familiar with the with the curse in Revelation, is like we're warned not to add to or take away anything from the Bible. It would not behoove you to make the Bible 50% smaller, and it does not behoove you to make the Bible 50% bigger. Um, the bigger is not the better with the Bible. You stay faithful to what the Bible actually says, and as a result, it just masquerades as a Bible. But it really ultimately uh, creates a, a, a false god uh, because of all the things that have been added to it. Um, Bethel has um, uh, this uh, supernatural school of uh, ministry that I mentioned. Um, the school says that what makes the academic instruction of the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry unique is that it's taught by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Wow, I mean, like everyone, apparently. Probably because they sucked all this power out of the graves of the prophets of old or the evangelists of old, I don't know. Uh, the school says the students will learn how to read, understand, and do the Bible. You see, the Bible's there so that we can do the Bible. No, it's actually there uh, to reveal uh, who God is in his plan of salvation. But uh, students will learn how to read, understand, and do the Bible, how to practice his presence, to witness, heal the sick, prophesy, preach, pray, cast out demons, and much, much more. Uh, Bethel has a uh, program similar to a church planning network. Um, this is an interesting article on their um, uh, planting website. It says, I knew a man who would know people's secret sins. The moment he laid eyes on him. And from what I know, this was not a gifting he wanted or he sought after. So this guy could like look at you and like it was like written across your forehead. All the bad stuff that you're doing. Uh, it's just something he experienced. It was a testament to the character of this man. That he was also one of the best lovers of people that I've ever known. 
I know quite a few people who from a young age saw into the spiritual realm like you and I see into the physical realm. They see angels and demons constantly without actively even looking for them. So in the same way, these people that can see in the spiritual realm, this, this dude, you can run across him. He knows all the dirt on you just by looking at you. It says, I don't know about you, but until a couple years ago, this was different to how I experienced the supernatural. I've never seen someone's secret sin written across their forehead until a couple years ago. I had never seen demons and angels flitting about, going about their business. I've never fallen into a trance and yet, to be supernaturally transported anywhere. Uh, spiritually, gifts manifested differently for different people. And there are those out there who have this very unique manifestation of spiritual gifts. And a very unique relationship with God as a result. People label them mystics or seers. Personally, I believe this was what should be normal for Christians. And is actually accessible to us all. So it should be normal for us to be able to look at someone and to just see written on their foreheads all their dirt that they've done. And um, yeah, so Bethel cult. Yeah, yeah, I'd say they're a cult. Uh, should we sing their songs if they're a cult? I mean, it's debatable. I, I think we do occasionally do some. I encourage uh, Joe, our worship leader, to look at it uh, very skeptically. In other words, sometimes, I mean, you can listen. You can read anything into anyone. And so if something's coming from a very orthodox person, you don't have to read it with a negative context. Um, the Bible talks about us trying to see things in a positive light. But with Bethel, if you're going to use their music, you need to use it uh, with a very skeptical eye uh, because there's a good chance um, that uh, it's written with uh, uh just some theology that is not real good. Um, let me spend a little bit of time into Oneness Pentecostals. Um, a very popular person by the name of T.D. Jakes comes from that background. It's how he came to know God. Um, he doesn't claim to be a part of them anymore, but he does get uh, tied to them uh, quite often. And once again, the problem is Pentecostals and their direct revelations from God can screw up their theology. Um, and so uh, what about this oneness Pentecostal movement, which really there's there's well over a million, probably at least a million and a half people that are associated with it. So it, it deserves to be talked about, especially in light of someone as popular as T.D. Jakes that's out there um, as kind of a um, uh, I want to call him a figurehead of it because he does not uh, identify with them. And some of them have a. Uh, actually um, disassociated themselves with him uh, be, as he's uh, tried to uh, become a little bit more mainstream in some of his teachings. But here we go. Uh, the modern Pentecostal movement, it, it, it this doesn't go back to Jesus' days, the Pentecostal movement. Uh, it pretty much goes back to 1901, three years before that angel uh, came awake and uh, kind of did his thing, apparently. But um, it goes back to 1901 in a chapel prayer meeting in Topeka, Kansas, that was led by someone by the name of Charles Parham, a teacher at Bethel Bible College. Um, no connection to the Bethel Church movement, uh, but they, uh, in the Pentecostal movement, do uh, 
to to like that name. A few years later, in 1906, the Pentecostal experience of speaking in tongues came on scene. So this whole push on speaking in tongues, it's just a little over 100 years old. Hasn't been pushed for the last 2,000 years, but but kind of last 100 years, especially in America. It's, it's, a, it's a modern American phenomenon. Um, so that burst on the scene in a revival in an African-American Baptist church in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. Um, and following these beginnings, Pentecostal preachers, preachers and churches spread rapidly, um, coalescing then into various denominations and factions. Um, in 1913, uh, a popular teacher by the name of R.E. McAllister of Toronto, Ontario, began teaching that the Trinity doctrine was untrue. Uh, so the Trinity, a basic core of Christian teaching, was untrue. And baptism it can only be done in the name of Jesus or it is invalid. Um, and, and then some other Pentecostal preachers went along with that. Um, by 1916, you've got the oneness views are being expounded by some ministers that are part of the Assemblies of God, which is a very uh, prominent Pentecostal uh, denomination to this day. Um, but what's interesting is um, the Assemblies of God ended up um, um, taking a strong tr Trinitarian stance when some of these other Pentecostals were, were denying the Trinity, and they actually went ahead and kicked a lot of these uh, people out of their church uh, body for uh, teaching heretical doctrines. In fact, 160 ministers were expelled from the Assemblies of God. And from that, then you get this uh, oneness Pentecostal um, that is really most predominant amongst African-American churches. Um, some of the biggest uh, oneness Pentecostal churches, the Bible Way Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ Worldwide, quarter of a million. Uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, one million. United Pentecostal Church International, um, I think 500,000 in the United States, one and a half million worldwide. Um, they believe in the authority of the Bible uh, for their doctrine, like the Jehovah Witnesses do. Uh, but the problem is, like the Jehovah Witness, uh, they take it just off the King James Version, uh, which uh, allows them to kind of, um, uh, they don't understand it and, and take liberty with it. Also, the problem with Oneness Pentecostals is they believe in uh, revelations from God um, and in that's inspired. So direct revelations uh, count. So once again, they would think Catholics are going to hell because the Pope can somehow uh, speak for God, but yet they think they can. Uh, and there we have uh, the problem. Um, they believe oneness Pentecostals declare that the Godhead consists only of one person. So they deny the Trinity. Uh, they maintain God uh, has two modes. Uh, that is, uh, there's the Father in heaven, and then there is the Son on earth. Um, they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a separate person. That is the same thing as the Jehovah Witnesses in terms of that. Uh, Jesus was said to have two natures, human and divine. And so when he died, it was his human nature that died, uh, that his divine nature did not die with him. Uh, and that when he was praying, 
um, it was his human nature praying to his divine nature. So basically, Jesus was praying to himself. He wasn't praying to the Father in heaven because they have this. It's the view is modalism. It was a heresy that was uh, refuted um, uh, very early in the church. And modalism basically believed that God existed in time in three distinct modes. That he dis- he in the Old Testament he existed as Father. In the New Testament, he existed as, as the Son, Jesus, and now he exists as the Holy Spirit. So he just takes these different modes, but he's always in one mode. That is, you know, when Jesus is in the mode of Jesus, he's not the Father, and, and the Father doesn't exist. It's only that one mode. And and this is, um, this is contrary to uh, uh, basic Orthodox Trinitarian teachings. Uh, salvation's interesting in... Uh, oneness pentecostalism because they believe that um a person must have faith in just jesus only if you believe in the trinity um then uh that uh you may very well not be saved uh, for believing that um they believe baptism by immersion only only in the name of jesus if you uh baptize the name father son and holy spirit even though the bible says to do it that way um you um are uh, uh it's an invalid baptism um salvation must be evident by a person speaking in tongues so if a person doesn't uh, speak in tongues they don't have evidence of salvation and uh, they're not saved um, and they are very legalistic uh, uh, they follow legalistic codes women aren't allowed to cut their hair uh, they can't wear short dresses or slacks they can't use wake up can't wear makeup <laughs> they can't uh, can't use makeup can't wear jewelry sorry um and uh, men are supposed to dress conservatively and so forth and these are some of the the uniquenesses of oneness oneness pentecostalism and because of their false view on the trinity yeah you would have to consider them a cult as well um lastly uh to just kind of um consider modern cults i'm gonna throw liberal christianity in that as well because if i'm gonna be honest with you liberal christianity doesn't believe the bible's uh the word of god they believe it contains the word of god um a lot of them don't believe that jesus physically rose from the dead um a lot of them don't believe uh god's father uh god is his mother um they they just um They've abandoned a lot of what basic teachings of, of Scripture say. A lot of the stories they dim- dismiss as not true. And so once again, a Christian cult is a group of people who have some semblance of the story, but they reject the, the core teachings of it, or they have other teachings that go against the core teachings, and that makes them a Christian cult, which is different than just a cult. I mean, just a, a cult could, could be like a satanic cult. I mean, there's nothing Christian about it. But there are Christian cults that have, like Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, uh, Bethel, Oneness, Pentecostal, liberal Christianity. There's this concept of Jesus, but their uh, view of Jesus, of God or of the Trinity, becomes so skewed that it, it, it's really not Christian at all. And all these groups oftentimes get grouped in as Christian, but they're not. And we, we really need to, uh, we need to have, uh, the so creeds were written back in uh, the early church uh, to uh, to push back against these false teachings that were trying to come into the church. And basically it, it made it so that if you confess that these teachings are true, then you're Christian. And if you don't, then you're not. Well, 
Uh, I think it's high time for the church to have some new creeds in which we say what uh, what is orthodox, what the 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 church uh, believes nowadays versus the, these imposters, uh, these Christian cults, so that we can stop labeling some of these Christian cults as Christian uh, because they masquerade as, as being Christian, but they're really not. Um, so uh, I think it's time for uh, the church to be vocal again and say, listen, uh, these are some of the basic tenets, core tenets of Christianity. If you believe them, you're Christian. And if you deny them, you're not. Um, and, and that would really help uh, clear up a lot of confusion that has crept into the church. Well, uh, thank you for joining me for this three-part series of, uh, of Christian cults uh, in, in God Talk. Um, I uh, enjoyed exploring them with you. And uh, I'll be back next week with a whole new topic. Uh, God bless and have a great day and a great week.